Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and a very warm welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. This week in the studio, I have the pleasure of the company of a good friend of mine, Matt Wilson. Hello, Matt. How are you? Good afternoon, Barry. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for joining us on this. Now, Matt runs his own branding agency here in the UAE and is a good friend of mine who I met a good eight years ago, was it now? Maybe longer? At least, yeah, longer. Than Maybe longer, yeah. So uh, we're going to try and get through this episode without um, bursting into laughter uh, in, uh, inappropriately and actually talk a little bit about um, your journey of, uh, well, your, your professional journey, really, in terms of what, what were you mm. doing previous to coming here, when you came here, because I think we arrived yeah, yeah. in the UAE around the same time, and then this transition yeah. into what you're doing today. And... Uh, and any lessons that you've learned along the way, so I'm sure you have, based on your, your age yeah, and uh, wisdom uh, from that side of oh, things. But you. as always, let's start at the beginning. So um, what, what got you, or have you always been in, in the design industry? Where did you start and uh, what led us to us being here today in the UAE talking about your own business? Where did it all start? Yeah, so I mean, I trained as a graphic designer. That was what I studied um, at university and I worked in the newspaper industry for a number of years actually um, in the UK uh, as a designer and you know this was old school I am showing my age here but there wasn't it wasn't all done on computers then so it was it was quite old school um, some of the stuff procedures we were doing but it gave me a good grounding in the real sense of you know the technical aspects of design and the way you had to build things up um, but eventually, I mean, I don't know how long into my career, I kind of transitioned out of design. Um, On purpose? Or yeah. Just... Well, I was, I was working in studios and I was, I was more technical um, than, than some of my peers. So I would be the one that would be training people on the software. I would be the one that was kind of helping out with maintaining the networks and fixing the computers when they went wrong when we did actually transition to the computer age. So I had a real interest in that. So eventually I kind of transitioned out and became a software trainer in Photoshop and Illustrator and um, specialist sign making software. Um, and along with that, there was like a technical role for supporting people on these programs and, um, and their computers. Um, right. So when I actually eventually moved to the UAE, I, um, I was an IT role. I was um, networking and administration along with a bit of design and um, creativity on the side. Yeah, right. kind of a jack of, jack of two trades, um, which was good. I mean, it brought me out here um, kind of on a whim. It wasn't like the job suddenly dragged me here. We, we just decided that I wanted to try something new, um, my partner at the time and I. Um, so we just want, we, we looked at the UAE, we looked at Hong Kong, um, and the UAE just seemed a better option for us at the time. So we right. both started looking at jobs, found jobs, and yeah, started the UAE journey here in Dubai. And that was and, uh, in 2005. 2000, yeah, 2005. Yeah. A different place to <laughs> what it is today, um, yeah. I, I guess, from that side of things. And was it really that it wasn't that this was, did you know anything about the Middle East or the UAE prior to even investigating other places to go from the UK? Not massively, no. Um, I had been out on holiday actually to Abu Dhabi 
mm. um, a couple of times because we had friends that lived in Abu Dhabi, so we just visited. Um, so we had a bit of an idea of what the UAE was like um, mm-hmm. from a you know a social perspective, I suppose. Um, no idea what it was like business or work-wise. Um, and yeah, we just, I think it was the, I mean, we were really comparing Hong Kong and the UAE uh, for places right. to live. And Hong Kong just seemed to have this ethic of, you know, you're always on, it's 24-7 business. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't really fancy that one. It's some sort of life outside of work. So yeah, we just kind of settled on the UAE. And as we knew some people in Abu Dhabi already, it was a it was a sensible choice so we at least have some sort of support network in the country mm. we were moving to. And right. Yeah. What was that? And made the transition. But you so you had jobs, you got jobs before you came yeah. over here, move over here with the job, so working for somebody, and that was on the networking yeah. side of things. Yeah, yeah. And how long did you stay employed? Um, it was about a year and a half, I think. Okay. Yeah. So not particularly long. Um and yeah, I was actually made redundant from the job I was in. And, and then it was a case of really looking to see what A, I wanted to do and what was a good move within the UAE um, right. from a networking point of view or from a design point of view. Okay. And so, I mean, I guess your hand was forced a little bit with redundancy, but what then yeah. made you decide, you know what, design, branding, that's where I want to go. I want to do that myself. And how, how did that whole process sort of unfold for you? Yeah. Well, at the time, I mean, we're talking 2006, um, mm. there was a lot of really good technical guys from a networking perspective and an um, IT perspective on the ground here. Um, that, you know, we're talking about Indian workers that were just very technically sound um, and they wouldn't expect as much salaries I did. So yeah. I, I kind of decided that I wanted to work for myself. Um, whether that was going to be IT or design, but knowing that there was these really good technical guys that could do the job at half the price that I would want to do the job at, it was kind of a no-brainer for me to go into the design side of things because there was a, it, design seemed to be lacking here. There wasn't that aesthetic for design. I mean, you can still see it a lot of places. There's, you can tell that it's cheaply done design. It's just, we need something, let's put it, put it up, pay minimum, and get something up there and done. Um, there's no real grounding in the foundations and the fundamentals of design that's gone into a lot of the work. So I saw an opportunity to bring that Western experience and working in newspapers and advertising in the UK um, to to my role here in the UAE. Right. So, yeah. how, so just before we get into the ins and outs of that, because I know this is something that we've talked about before, how do you today help explain to a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, or an existing enterprise level organization yeah what branding is and mm. why it's so important how do okay. you do that because just to preface this because i've always yeah. been and you know that i've always been on that board as well as long as it's out there and you get it out there who cares it doesn't matter it, it's it's just about being there but i have learned something from you over the years and i don't believe that anymore but i always think it's very interesting because it's a whatever you whatever field of business you're in it's it's difficult sometimes to explain what it is unless it's well this is a this is a yellow box and it does the yellow box things when you're talking about something which is i imagine subjective because this is how i feel about my brand or what i like versus what you like and what my customer like how do you 
how do you go about explaining that to somebody today? And has that differed from what you were having to do back in, uh, you know, 2006, 2007? Okay, so, I mean, there's two fundamental avenues we talk here. There is branding, which is very much about, for me, it's the messaging. Branding is what people say about you or your business when you're not around. Mm-hmm. So it's that reputation. That is the grounding of branding, really. And then there's the design aspect. And that is where things tend to be a little bit more uh, of a gray area because people like what they like. You know, I like the color orange. You don't like the color orange. So it's a lot more subjective. Um, Mm. Fundamentally, if you're looking at the design aspect, there are some things. Everybody knows when something just doesn't look right, but they can't Mm. necessarily say why. Um, and design is it's not artistic, it's problem solving. So it's putting um, the message or the image out in such a way that it's clearly understood and it can't be confused. Um, so when, you, when you're looking at logos, for example, obviously that's what a lot of people think branding is. Well, it's not. Logo is like an identifier for the brand. Um, the best way to think of logos is exactly that. It's just an icon to say, this is the brand. So it's an easy, recognizable icon that tells me which brand we're talking about. And that could be without actually mentioning the name of the brand. In fact, if you can take the name of the brand away and people still recognize it, then you're onto a good thing from a design perspective. Um, To be honest, nowadays if I'm talking to small businesses that just want to get up and running, they don't need to spend a fortune on their logo. You know, it's more important that they get the messaging and the reason they're in business right first. The logo, it could be anything. It could be terrible, but it's still recognized as that is the brand that they're representing. If the brand is good um, and solid and they're, they're offering great services and you know, they're, they're looking after their customers and really believe in what they're doing, then the, the logo is literally just an identifier for that and it will help grow, grow the brand. Um, if they got, eventually got money, then they can spend money on it to, to increase the quality of their design. But really the brand is what should come first. Okay. And I think that's something that a lot of myself included get, get a lot of people get confused about in terms mm-hmm. of what is, what is my brand. And I thought that I already had a brand and so, well, do I have a brand or do I have a logo um, and nothing else to go along with that? Um, so from your perspective, has that messaging uh, changed over the last, let's say, 10 years in terms of the companies that you were talking to then versus the companies that you're talking to? Let's say let's say pre-COVID, because obviously the last seven yeah. months or eight months have been a, an anomaly for everybody and we'll get into that. Yeah. But ha- has it changed much over the, over the last sort of de- decade, would you say? Do you know what? It has for, for me. A lot of it has changed for me because obviously I came from a design background. I was a graphic designer, so I would be the guy that you would come to and sit down and I'd design a logo or a brochure or a flyer. There you go. Off you go with it and do your thing. Um, but as I, I did more and more of this and I got more and more involved in my clients' businesses, um, they would come to me for advice on how to work, make the business work. And I started to see that the businesses that succeeded were the ones that really were passionate about what they do. And they established their business as a brand instead of just another business. You know, what makes you go to one pizza shop compared to another pizza shop or one barber's compared to another barber's? Um, 
pizza, it could be the quality of the pizza, it could be the taste, but then that's subjective. You know, some one person might like one type of pizza, one person might like the taste of another. So there's got to be more to it. Otherwise, you're competing as almost a commodity. So that's where the brand comes into it and what you stand for and why you do it and why you love what you do um, will come across. And the way that you treat your staff, that will come across in every interaction you have with your, your clients. Right. So for me, I've learned that along the way. Um, so now my first border call isn't, oh, you need a great looking logo. It's why are you in business? Hmm. Why should I, as your potential consumer, care that you exist as another brand? Um, hmm. You know, are you giving me something really innovative and creative and different? Or is it just another cookie cutter mold? And if it's just another cookie cutter mold, why should I choose you over the, your competition? Mm. Right. Yeah. You still have to differentiate. What you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess that also depends on what you're doing. Cause I suppose there's some elements that would fall into the, com- I don't know, maybe this is not true. Maybe you have a different view on this, that you can uncommoditize yourself, even if you're a commodity. Mm. So that you you stand out from the crowd and give people that reason for picking you over the other hundred things that apparently do yeah. the same thing <laughs> as you, yeah. Um, yeah. but actually there's a reason to go with you. Yeah, the, there's there's a lot of research into this, um, and I think EY Ernst and Young did a study on it a couple of years ago, and on average, businesses or brands, let's say, that had a core purpose or a real meaning to their brand, a why, if you like, um, outperform the S&P 500 by, on average, three to 400%. Wow. Which is a massive statistic figure. It's all there. It's, it's what people have researched. You know, this isn't me just saying <laughs> as a, a branding guy. This is you know, technical, financial analysts looking at these businesses and saying, actually, you know, if, if you've got a real good cause behind you and what you're doing, and I'm not talking just charity here i'm just Mm -hmm. i'm talking about the the messaging that you put out um then you can really start to succeed in business well definitely i mean that 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 kind of research would suggest that it's a it's integral (laughs) why everybody should be doing this if it's three to four hundred percent that's uh that's incredible yeah okay so we've established that what you do is important now well done (laughs) very good (laughs) but um Coming back to the business side of things, uh, mm. one of the reasons we started doing this podcast is because doing business here in the in the UAE in the Middle East is very different to doing business um, in back in the UK, for example, or anywhere else in the world. Yeah, how's the journey been from that decision? You go right. I, I decided which angle I'm going on. I'm going down the design and branding route. I'm going to set up my business. What yeah. happens next in terms of the actual building your business on the ground here? Tell us a bit about that part of the journey. Okay, I kind of I took this journey as a test, you know, I, I was made redundant. Um, I had, you know, three to six months worth of money in the bank to try something new. So I was mm-hmm. quite fortunate, um, from that point of view. What I would say is the way that I went about it was just testing the water. I, I literally contacted a few people said, would you be interested? They said, yeah, you know, friends and family and coworkers, they said, yeah, we'd, we'll try it. We'll, we'll give you a, a shot at doing something. And just did small projects just to test the water, see A, if I enjoyed it, see if B, if there was a market for what I wanted to do. And if clients appreciated my, my effort. Um, right. And it turned out there was. So I, I, pushed, um, I pushed that forward. 
and then eventually I, I set up myself as a tro- you know, with a trade license um, as a, an entity. I think it was Rack Media City that I went with at the time, um, mm-hmm. just purely on cost basis. Um, and yeah, did you do that yourself, really or did you go through a, a company to set that up for you? I did that direct myself. Um, okay. I looked into several options. You know, there was back then there wasn't that many options. There's a lot more nowadays that are freely available and very good, from what I understand. You know, that there's people that will help you with this. Back then, there weren't really that many people helping out. You had to go direct, um, yeah. and I did. I went direct. Um, I mean, it wasn't. There was there's a headache in a lot of respects because a lot of back and forth to try and get things done, but it's in a lot of respects now it's easy. It's just you pay the money, they stamp the paper, they give you your visa, and off you go. You've got a business, you know. Um, you renew that every year, and you you keep going as long as you're yeah. you know, as long as it's working. But what I would say for people that are not necessarily in that that position of having you know financial backing or financial um, security for a few months would be try it on the side. You know, if you've got an idea that you really want to do and you're passionate about it, then just start reaching out to people. You know, we also we haven't got enough time, but in reality, you've got plenty of time. You don't need to be sitting watching Netflix for two hours, just an hour a day, um, just trying to make it work, contacting a few people, seeing if they're interested, testing the waters, building a website on Squarespace or Wix or one of these, you know, easily um, editable sites. No, don't do that. Start testing things out. (laughs) 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 But rather rather than paying somebody like me or yourself, Barry, to do a massive job, just test it. Just try it out and see see what works. I'm just saying from a platform perspective, just test it, but test it with WordPress website. It will help you in the future. It will help you in the future massively <laughs> when it comes to then once you, once your business becomes super successful, anything, Oh, this is, we need to look at proper marketing now. It just it, so many businesses that I've spoken to that have had these kind of websites. And then it's effectively, they've had to redo it because a, the functionality runs out in terms of what they're trying to do and then b um, from, from a marketing perspective. But I firmly agree with the, just try it methodology, you know, yeah. just, put the feelers out there, see what your network has got to say about it. Um, yeah. Something that I heard recently as well, again, talking to some of other our friends is don't just ask friends and family for their input as well. Ask strangers yeah. because friends and family will be, sometimes they won't be honest. They'll want, they'll tell you what you want to hear, which is, yeah, yeah. great idea. Go for it. And yeah. you think, Oh, okay, well there's the evidence. Whereas strangers yeah. have no vested interest and they'll say, well, what about this? And what about that? And you think, Oh yeah. I didn't, yeah. Didn't think about that. And, and to be honest, it's easy to put together, you know, an, an anonymous survey online now yeah. using survey monkey or um, type form or something like that. You easily throw together a short survey, see if people would be interested um, and you'll get some, some sort of feedback. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Do get feedback because you know, you, you think this is an amazing idea and it's really going to work. Um, but actually when you start investigating your market and what they want and how things work from their side, um, that might not be exactly what they want. Yeah. Or at least they can help you tweak it. So it is something that they want. Oh, very, very much so. Yeah. It's that you might coming back to your point about the subjectivity of, of branding and stuff is they, well, I, I've got this great idea and it's going to be orange. And then you put your survey out there and you find out nobody likes orange. So okay, yeah. as much as I like orange, I've got to make yellow ones because everybody said if it was in yellow, then it would look perfect here. So it's yeah. it's one of those lessons as well, I think, from a business perspective about ego. 
So it's not about you anymore. Yeah. It's about, well, where does the, the, the market tell you um, to go? Yeah. Um, to a certain extent, and uh, I think there's still a few outliers that are sort of re- related to, um, I think it was only Steve Jobs that said, well, no, we're going to do it this way and they'll catch up. <laughs> and yeah. that's, you know, it's, it's, they're def- it can happen that way, but um, it's, a, it's a risky, risky uh, approach, yeah. I would suggest. Yeah. Well, isn't there a saying that Henry Ford once said people didn't know they wanted a motor vehicle, they just wanted faster horses? Yeah, exactly. So well, sometimes... I'm the, not sure if it's actually true, but it's a good <laughs> analogy. Yeah, it, it is. And then this is, it comes from something I think that a lot of people we've talked to, it's about balance. You need to take your your idea and your belief and your your feeling about what you're about to do and then mix that with, okay, well, I think this is something, mix that with the, the feedback from the market space and then yeah. come up with something. Validate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, and to be honest, you can do that on on a budget. You know, you don't have to spend a fortune doing this sort of stuff. You can yeah. research it, you can figure it out and make it work. Um, with a minimal input financially. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and coming to this point, because it's, it's, it's something uh, that every small business and, and solopreneur starting out, everything is obviously about dirhams out versus dirhams in. How do you yeah. feel about some of these services where you can go online and you can get stuff done from a design perspective, you know, things like mm. 99 designs and, and those. What, what's your feeling on those uh, fr- from your perspective, obviously, as, a, as an agency and from a design professional? Yeah. Yeah, I've um, I've actually tested those myself. Um, you know, I've tried them out, and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. You know, there's at the end of the day, you're paying cheap cheap prices to try and get something that makes you look like a million bucks. Mm. Um, so you're not going to get exactly what you want or the level of quality of it we want. And most of the people that are on those platforms, they tend to be people that have learned how to use the tools but they don't necessarily have a grounding in the fundamentals of design practice. Um, so it might be aesthetically pleasing, but then when you start to look at it a bit deeper, you know, it doesn't work on certain formats. You know, when, when we design brands or design logos, you've got to look at it from a holistic perspective. It's not just, oh, it looks great sat in front of me on a perfectly big 27-inch monitor that's backlit, it looks like an amazing logo and I can read everything and it's clear and perfect. But when you're driving at 120 kilometers an hour down Shakeside Road and you're seeing that logo at a 45 degree angle, it becomes a blurry mess. Um, so it's not necessarily recognizable. And does or it work? Or it's shrunk down to this big on a business card. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So there's, there's a lot to think about. Um, and it can work, you know, as a, as a cheap, quick test to, to go to market. Why not? Why not just get a logo done cheaply? And like I say, it's just an identifier and you can tweak it once you've got the finances to, to actually move things along. Fair enough. Very, very, very mature approach to that one, Matt. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously you've, you've been doing your, your business for, for quite a while. Um, yeah. How have you, um, Le- leveraged it, I suppose, and this is the leading question because I know a little bit about what we've talked about before in terms of growing the business. What's yeah. your thoughts on um, on that from your personal perspective in terms of hiring or looking to hire, and and how mm-hmm. that coming back to your point about the the standard of what will be delivered? Yeah. What's your What's yeah. your thoughts on that? Okay, so it's I think it's every entrepreneur's almost worst nightmare is to that next step is how do you grow. 
Um, everybody wants to clone themselves so that they can do double the amount of work. Um, but, you know, in the reality is you, you're never going to do that. Um, what you need to do is find resources that you can trust. Um, in the UAE, it's, it's not easy to find somebody that you trust and you can work with that you pay to do a job on a day-to-day -day basis um, if you're not financially secure in your business. Um, you don't want that threat because obviously once they've gone past their probation period, then there's cost implications of their visas and, um, you know, gratuity and it can get really expensive really quickly. So going back to those online resources, outsource, um, find good quality, you know, and you have to vet them yourself quite well, you, but you can find remote resources that can help you do what you're doing you take away some of the grunt work you know if what you're when you start up a business as an entrepreneur and it's just yourself there's so much you need to learn you need to learn about accounting and marketing and networking and online digital all this stuff is all going in your head and you're never going to be an expert at any of all of it you'll be an expert at what you want to do and what you're passionate about so find people that are experts in those fields um, that can do it remotely they and it's probably going to be a part-time thing to you know do your accounts or um, to do your social media postings etc you can find online resources um, upwork is a good resource for that um, top tal top talent is another where you can find really good and vetted um, resources to start helping you grow your business and when you've got a good running business and good processes in place. That's when you can start to, you know, hire locally. Yeah. Yeah. Very good advice. Cause it is expensive to hire locally. It's not just salaries that you have to, to, to take into consideration yeah. and i get flack for this all the time but i employ people from a geo arbitrage perspective because of that reason it's purely yeah. financial because for the cost mm -hmm. of one person on the ground here in some cases you can get two or three resources doing things that are vital to your your business especially from a digital perspective um so it yeah. does uh, i think it's very very sound advice yeah and i think from a commitment perspective as well you need to test these people out you need to um, try them, see if they work for you, see if they have that kind of ethic. They're never going to work as hard as you on your business. They're never going to be as passionate about it as you are. Um, but they've got to be on board and they've got to be believing what you're trying to do. Um, then they'll be good staff members. Um, and there's a massive expense to getting rid of somebody and retraining somebody else. So if, if you want to do that quick churn to try and find people, then you know, online or remote workers is a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. but coming back to something you said that you still have to invest the time in training them because they're not yeah. out of the box going to do what you want to do i learned this the hard way as well and two of the my original employees way way back when just disappeared and they were employed in the philippines yeah. and that just stopped answering any emails yeah. and any communication because i was pushed them too far outside of what they were actually comfortable with doing and it was my fault because i hadn't really taken into account that what i was asking of them was completely um impossible because i was expecting yeah. one resource to be able to do everything and of course i i can't no one can so why would i expect anyone else could uh, but yeah, yeah i learned, learned that the hard way but perhaps not as financially detrimental to me as if i'd done the same thing by hiring on somebody the on the ground here yeah. um, so, so that that definitely was a, a valuable lesson um, learned from that side of things yeah. but um sure. shifting into 
yourself as the owner of Animus Creative and as a, as a, as a business person, how do you keep yourself motivated, I guess, is the best way of approaching this? I don't think you, if you're doing the right thing, the right thing for you, motivation comes naturally because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're passionate about what you're doing, passion's a big buzzword that's always thrown around a bit too easily these days. But if you really enjoy what you're doing, you believe in what you're doing, um, then it shouldn't, you shouldn't be lacking the motivation to do it. Um, Agreed. What I tend to find is that people get frustrated because they're not growing as quickly as they, they want to be. But what are you after? Are you after, you know, the next Amazon? It's not going to happen. But if you're happy in what you're doing, then surely you're more successful than most people. Mm. So don't just chase the financial numbers all the time. Chase enjoyment in what you're doing. Um, and it'll be a lot, lot easier to be motivated. Very true. Very true. I think that's definitely things that people I do struggle <laughs> because the problem I find is that whilst you're passionate about the bits that you really want to do, you still got to do some of the stuff that you don't really want to do or that you know yeah. you shouldn't be doing, but aren't in a position to get somebody on board to do that for you. And so yeah. then some days you end up thinking, ah, this isn't what I'm supposed yeah. to be doing. <laughs> yeah. There are lots of catch 22s. Um, you, you are going to hit those stumbling blocks, but you've just got to kind of push through them in the belief that, you know, you will succeed eventually. Mm. Um, you know, we, we all hear these overnight successes, but most of them aren't overnight successes. Most people have been grinding away in their basements or in their garages or in their little study office for years to get to a point where it tips and, and mm. things start to roll and they start to realize that, you know, this is what I should be doing. And they've tweaked yeah. it and they've changed it and they've worked hard. Um, there isn't really a shortcut. It's all about working hard and enjoying it. Um, and you'll get there. Yeah. And then enjoying even those bits that you don't enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so this, uh, I, I think this is really insightful from that side of things. And I think it wasn't the question I wasn't, I was meant to ask is, um, from, uh, the, the head of the business perspective, how do you keep yourself, uh, moving forward from a develop, developmental perspective though, so, um, keeping yourself up to date? I know you're quite an avid consumer of, of online books or audio books now. Um, yeah. What else do you do in, uh, to, to keep yourself not motivated, but focused is probably the better word I should have used actually. Um, be thirsty to learn. You, know, you can never, you can never know everything. And there's always somebody that's done something um, that you could learn from um, out there. It might not even be in the same industry. In fact, I would advise looking at other industries and how people are doing things. Um, cause you could always take ideas from other people's industries and yeah, I'm, I'm a massive, I, I read a lot, um, online and offline. Um, I do resort to audio books nowadays. Um, cause you know, if you're sat in the car for 45 minutes, stick an audio book on at two times speed and you you can consume books quite quickly. Um, and there's lots of good books out there that just give you tips and ideas and you know, a lot of it doesn't all go in. You won't remember the entire book but there'll be things that you pick up on and that um are attuned to what your way of thinking that you can utilize um but yeah so just i like to i like to read i like to know that i don't know it all um and that i can definitely learn from other people 
I think that's a very good one. As much as you might think you know everything, you don't. <laughs> and uh, and anyone that says they do is lying. Um, I yeah. would not necessarily, uh, the only thing I would disagree with there is I think sometimes at two times speed, they just sound too much like chipmunks. And so I listen <laughs> to all the mine at one and a half because I tried okay. it at two and it was just like, okay, no, I can't. I'm not, I'm listening I, to them sound like that <laughs> more than the content. I, I trained myself. I think I started out audiobooks at one time speed, then one at one point. 1.5, And I can actually, depending on the book, because obviously the narrators sometimes speak faster. Um, it's depending on the book, like fiction, I can, I can listen to it to two and a half. Um, mm. Non-fiction, sometimes I have to wrap it back down to 1.75, but I average around two, two times speed. Right. Yeah. And based on what you've just there, how easy is it to get lost in too much learning and not mm-hmm. enough doing? Yeah, um, that's a big trap, you know. I mean, I, f- I focus my learning on times where I, downtime. So, you know, if I am in the car, it's a great time to not yep. waste it, just sit and listen to a book. I mean, you and me both got kids, so we don't have the luxury of time um, on <laughs> our hands. So really, it's just curbing it. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're working um, on your own business and you've started doing this full time, then just make sure it's, you know, it's a nine to five. Um, and have that downtime afterwards or at lunchtime. Just try and be quite structured about your day. That's, with, when you're an entrepreneur and you're working on your own, structure seems to go out the window and you're just more reactive to everything that's going on around yeah. you. And that's where you can get lost in the YouTube mire or you know, clickbait. You click on one link and it leads you to another video that looks great and then you click on another and you just go, suddenly you've lost an hour on YouTube videos and you haven't really learned anything. So yeah. have some have some goals in place and have some boundaries in place as well. Um, yeah, just try and stick to your workload you know, during the working hours and uh, any learning you can do offline. Yeah, no, outside of working hours. Yeah, although like I say that's sometimes very difficult to do, especially when it's your own business. Because, and I don't know whether I agree with this, and from what you're saying, you don't. Is that people say when you're starting your own business, it's just you're doing it all hours that are available whether yeah. you want to or not. But I, I wonder if that leads to burnout faster because there's no balance. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, my kind of philosophy on this is I, I very much about my weekends and my spare time. I really enjoy my time. I like to get out there as do you. Um, yeah. So business isn't my end goal. Happiness is my end goal. Um, and I think that that really will, be telling on on your daily routines you know if you are the type of person that's just constantly on your email and constantly chasing or working throughout all hours of the night then you know are you really enjoying it or are you doing it because you want to achieve a financial goal or the next step you know try and focus on enjoying it yeah that's good good advice but i'm going to then throw this back in your face because oh, as you've just mentioned uh we both enjoy getting out there at the weekends going hiking camping more so pre-kids than, than we do right now because we've got to yeah. take them into account but and we've had this conversation as well so this is why i'm saying this what has stopped you from setting up the outdoor adventure business or the <laughs> the business that would allow you us as a group to yeah to, to do that all the time. Yeah. I mean, when was it? It must've been t- 10 years ago. I had this discussion with some people about setting up a business and we looked into it and we did a bit of research 
And, you know, we as a group of friends really enjoy our time out in the wilderness. Um, we love it. Um, we've been on all sorts of adventures from hiking and climbing and canyoning and diving, anything and everything. Um, and we enjoy it. We love it because it's our little getaway from work and business. And, you know, if you then mix in financial, um, financial issues with your hobby, where does your hobby end and your business begin? You know, does, is, is that the perfect balance or is it the absolute nightmare? Cause you just end up losing what you enjoy. Um, your hobbies become, taxing and trying and you're trying to drag other people out into this to earn money off them or or what yeah yeah it's, okay. it's something we thought about a lot but it I is think- yeah and i ask you because it, it, it also comes back to this idea of, of the the word that you said that's bandied around a lot passion and a lot yeah. of those so-called um you know, motivators and, and gurus out there so you know follow your passion and and, and make it yeah. your business but there is that danger that your passion becomes your business and then you lose it's not a passion anymore. Um, yeah. and, uh, you, you lose the interest in it. And I say when the financial obligations are there to get people to come out and enjoy the, the outdoor that you really love, are you really out enjoying it anymore? Or, and whilst you're out there, you know, one of the options we talked about guiding people is that, are you actually enjoying guiding people or are you thinking, Oh, I've got to get them out round and back. Cause I've got another group waiting yeah. to go. And, and that obviously then detracts from your enjoyment of it. So it's, uh, I think it's it's an interesting point about how how you turn your passion into a business and how far you take that um, yeah. without without losing your passion. It's something I talked to Oscar about before as well because he had a passion for skiing, and I said, "Well, why don't you turn?" He's like, "I, I want to enjoy skiing. I, I just yeah. want to enjoy skiing." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And to be to be honest, I mean, we've looked at it, and there's the financial gain is great. And what you end up doing is probably employing a bunch of people cheap labor to do the guiding and do the bits and pieces. And then is it really, you know, you and your passion that's driving the business forward or Mm -hmm. is it you're relying on the guides and the people to do that for you? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a good answer to the question. We'll just carry on hopefully enjoying the outdoors as well. Um, yeah. Just to wrap this up, though, I always like to ask everybody that comes on, um, we, we talked a little bit about audiobooks as one resource, but I, I always like to ask our guests about resources or tools or mentors or specific books or something that you would recommend mm. a want-to-be entrepreneur, would-be entrepreneur, somebody that's just set up their business or somebody who's into year five, six, seven of their business. Is there anything that yeah. you specifically would say, you know what, you definitely need to read this or you definitely need to do that? Um, the one that springs to mind is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, Simon Sinek's growing in popularity and he's a lot more prolific than he used to be. But mm-hmm. one of his early books was called Start With Why and it's all about it's not about business, it's about leadership, but I've taken it as a branding Bible almost. It's really about why you've started your business um, Mm. and why other people should care that you've started your business. And if, if you invest in that real reason why, and you've got a genuine reason why you're doing this, and I don't mean because I want to make money for my stakeholders or shareholders, nobody cares nobody cares if you make any money so there's got to be a more viable reason for them to be involved in your business um and that could be anything you look at uh i don't know what could be used as an example apple love them or hate them they're successful right um 
and their why is it's all about the aesthetics of their design and their brilliance. Um, it's not about the technical specs and it's more about what it's going to do for your lifestyle or your um, creativity or say about you as a person um, than it is about the technical specs of their hardware. They're not a hardware company. Um, you know, if, if Apple, I, I use this analogy, if Apple decided to make a chair tomorrow, the world would sit up and go, oh, they're making a chair. Apple chair. What's it going to be like? Yeah, the <laughs> Apple, the eye chair. Um, you know, they, they would, they would, you would stop and think, this is going to be really designed aesthetically. It's going to be really interesting, and they're going to try and change the market. And that all becomes part of their why. Because the way that they do business and why they do business is all about shaking up the norms um, and changing things. So they could do any product, and people would pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think it's also interesting because they would pay attention. And uh, I use the 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 argument of if you want to create an, a, a conversation in the online space, you just have to ask a question where you've got two polar opposites. And so, if you want to create a, a conversation around this, you just say, "Well, Apple make the best products, or they make the best computers." Yeah. And of course, you'll yeah. you'll have a feud <laughs> on your hands. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's it, it still, and they say, you know. It, it, if, if they're talking about you positively or negatively as a brand, well, then that's, they're talking about you. So yeah. you're getting coverage, but the, it is interesting yeah. to get a brand to that perspective where people are going to pay attention, whether they like you or not, and they're going to offer their yeah. opinion on it, but yeah. you're having an impact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So that's a very, very good one. So that's the, is it, what's it called? The, the book again, you start, start with, with the why. why start with why by Simon Sinek. Right. And I mean, it's, it's all about leadership examples, but yeah. you know, it's, it's why people get behind movements. Um, and yeah, it's a really interesting read. Good recommendation. Thank you very much for that, Matt. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again soon. Yeah, sounds good. We managed to hold it together. <laughs> Pretty good. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, If you have enjoyed this, then uh, please do leave us a review on wherever you're listening to this. And if you have anybody that you'd like us to have a chat to, then drop us a line at wishlist at swanglinese.rocks, and we'll look into getting that. Thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.